0: Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh. Powerful conversations helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Gavin Bell. Gavin is Founder and Managing Director of Blue Cliff Media, a social media agency that generates real business results through scalable digital marketing campaigns. You're also a blogger with articles published in the Huffington Post and Virgin.com, you're a vlogger, you're a speaker, you're a former Entrepreneur of the Year, and you recently won the We Do Scotland Award for New Start Business of the Year. Gavin, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, a lot. pleasure to be here. Good, good, I'm glad. It's a pleasure having you. So we'll, we'll kick off things, and um, if you can start, I suppose, by kind of setting the scene and telling us about you know, your background, where you grew up, and, and generally what you were like as a youngster. As a youngster, okay.
1: interesting, yeah. So I grew up in, I was born in Inverness. Lived there for the first six years of my life and then headed up to Shetland with Dad's work and lived there from age six to 18. Okay. Um, so I was kind of like your, your naughty teenager back in the day. <laughs> right. um, nothing too bad, but if my mum and dad said black, I would, I would do white. I kind of got in trouble with school, mischievous, the usual. Um, then from the Shetland Islands, when I turned when I turned eighteen, basically in Shetland, everybody moves down south to go to university. Uh-huh. Um, and despite being pushed by the school and various other sources, I knew that university wasn't for me. I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to start a business. Shetland was too remote to do that. Um, I also didn't want to just move down south, mm-hmm. choose a city and move south to start a business because I had no idea where I wanted to live, where what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. Um, But luckily I found the Peter Jones Enterprise Academy, uh, which is a business school. They were down in England, uh, and I chose Manchester as my place to go. So aged 18, packed my bags, moved to Manchester, um, didn't know anybody there, had no friends or family there. Um, And that that course was a a year long course where you had to set up a business Mm -hmm. part of the course. You had to go there with an idea. And then when you were learning about marketing, you were marketing that business. When you were learning about pitching, you were pitching that business type thing. So a really sure. practical course. Uh-huh. Um, and I set up a company there where I basically worked with personal trainers and tried to put them into corporate environments.
0: Yeah, it was uh, Al- Alba or Alba
1: Alba Fitness. Yeah, Alba fitness. Um, put them into corporates to run fitness sessions. Had a few clients in Manchester, moved up here to Edinburgh 2014, tried to get it going, didn't really work. Um, first entrepreneurial failure, I guess, uh-huh. and um, from that decided to uh, start Blue. Cl- what's, what's now Blue Cliff Media, uh-huh. a social media agency. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now, just trying to make as much noise as possible. <laughs> excellent, excellent.
0: So, yeah, I mean, the, the ALBA um, fitness thing, obviously, very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, the Peter Jones Enterprise Academies. What do you feel that you gained or learnt from the academy?
1: The academy, yeah. So I kind of went from being shy, Shetland schoolboy, <laughs> um, kind of shyness to a point where I wouldn't like putting my hand up in the class because I didn't want to speak in front of the class. Um, moving down to Manchester, obviously moving to somewhere I'd never been before, with no friends or family, was a big kind of personal learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the course was great because it literally was out of my comfort zone every single day, setting up a business, um, being thrown out to networking events, having to go pitch to boards and things. Um, so like the contacts I made there were amazing. Mm-hmm. The experiences I had, Got invited to like Buckingham Palace garden party once, and oh. just just experiences that I would never have had uh, unless I was there. Um, so it kind of gave me a real taste of what business was like, um, and kind of threw you, threw me in at the deep end yeah. for that. So it was a huge learning curve. Per- professionally, but also personally as well.
0: Definitely, yeah. And I suppose, you know, um, contrasting Manchester to Edinburgh, by the time that you had established your business, they're two very different cities. Mm-hmm. So I mean, how do you imagine that it would have been growing a
1: business in Manchester
0: versus Edinburgh? Good question.
1: So so Manchester's a very, Manchester's more like Glasgow in the fact it's a very, I would say it's more of a modern city. So there's a big digital scene in Manchester. Um, and I think it's, Yeah, it's it's more modern and digital, whereas Edinburgh is like a town. It's almost like a a large village where the kind of ecosystem Mm -hmm. is very small. Everyone knows everyone. Um, And we're pretty far behind in terms of, this is my opinion, in terms of the way that we market businesses uh, and the way that we run businesses in general. Um, So I think if I was running a business in Manchester, I found that there there was a lot more... Um, kind of businesses wanting what I'd call like cool services, um, like social media, creating content. When I was running Alba Fitness, having personal trainers come into your office and, and doing something fun like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Edinburgh is very much more traditional, I found. Um, and I struggled to to sell the idea of kind of having fun with your team with a personal trainer.
0: Right. Yeah. So,
1: I'd say it's much more traditional up here, and and therefore I found it harder to, to sell it.
0: Yeah, I could imagine that to be a major challenge. Yeah. And so, I mean, was that, do you think, part of the rationale for you deciding to um, you know, adapt or kind of pivot, so to speak?
1: Yeah, so I was working with personal trainers at the time. Um, I obviously was building these relationships with personal trainers, um, and I found that they were terrible at marketing. They were really <laughs> poor at marketing themselves. Um, and that, that from, from that kind of stems okay well what are my skills now um, and I was reading a book called The Seven Day Startup by by Dan Norris and mm-hmm. I remember when, when I was trying to set Alba Fitness up I was working in a call centre uh, in the evenings and I remember it being so I'd, I'd work on the business from kind of morning till four and then from five till nine I'd work in, in the call centre and I remember just being on the bus home Um, from the call center so it would have been like half past nine at night and I was reading the seven day Startup by Dan Norris and it was saying everything that your business shouldn't be and and I was like oh that's kind of everything Alba Fitness is and then it was saying everything your should your business should be and I was like well that's actually kind of what I want (laughs) it's like how you can run a business from a laptop etc and so I was kind of like okay well what do I do and I thought well what am I good at and um Obviously, being a young young guy, social media is is kind of ingrained in my life, yeah. and I thought, well, why don't I run social media accounts for people? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where we got the where I got the idea from, and that's kind of how it went from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think when you started up originally, I think I found some uh, traces of was it Adworthy? Yeah. You started originally. Yeah. So how long was it Adworthy before you changed?
1: Um, it was Adworthy for I believe around two months. Okay. Um, Two months maximum, and right. had to change the name because it, it was a it was a because I followed when when I do something I kind of just get ingrained in it, and because I was following the seven day startup mm-hmm. to the T, <laughs> you had to choose a name in one day uh, and like buy the domain that day, um, and so I was just thinking, well, what can I do? This name came to my head. I was like, okay, bought the domain name, the .com wasn't available, but the .co was. So I was like, I'll just get that. Um, turns out that there was a company in America with adworthy.com <laughs> kind of doing similar services. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Got to change the name now. Um, so I changed the name. There was nothing, there was, they didn't get in touch with me or anything like that. I just thought if I want to really grow this business long term, then I can have to address like this issue now before it gets... Turns into a bigger. I also yeah. didn't want to give people didn't want to give Adworthy.com um, website traffic because I knew if people are typing in ad- Adworthy and they see .co, they might think it's a typo and they're naturally going to type in .com. So um, there's two kind of two reasons why I decided to change it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, did you have any fears or concerns um, about making that change so early on? Having just changed what you were originally doing (laughs) like you Um, know in terms of the perception from clients and stuff
1: yeah there was a little bit um but at the same time i didn't really care i just decided to just do it and people didn't like it fair enough don't like it but this is what we're doing yeah and i know like now we're a year and a half down the line after after a couple of weeks people forgot and they just knew it as Cliff media so People, people don't really care. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I, I can, I can entirely relate to that. Um, and I think actually that it probably shows, you know, your, your willingness um, or propensity to kind of evolve over fearment of being kind of judged or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely a positive thing. So kudos for, for taking the, the, uh, the plunge. Thank you. So tell me about Blue Cliff Media now, and and the work that you're doing with it.
1: Yeah, so we've changed, we've pivoted a few times within the last year and a half. So we launched June 2015, um, and we started off doing kind of social media management, community management. So we would manage Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn accounts, etc., for businesses. Um, and we did that up until about, that was our main service offering up until about Christmas. Um, that's a lie. We did that for about two or three months, and then I decided Oh, I kind of want to do more services, so I'm going to do social media management, I'm going to do training, <laughs> I'm going to do consulting, coaching, I'm going to do everything. Um, and then I just became one of those social media gurus that everybody is these days. And nobody bought from me during that period. So about Christmas time, I was like, what should we do? Everything I was reading and being told by advisors and things was niche down, find a niche. Mm. Um, and we'd been running some Facebook advertising campaigns for, for businesses. Um, for clients. This is kind of an add-on from the social media management and we'd had some good results so I decided okay well let's just narrow down on that. Let's just focus all our marketing, our branding, everything on being Facebook ads and um, so we did that about Christmas time and that turned out to be probably the best decision I've ever made Um, for a few reasons. Number one, much more referrals. If, if If somebody hears someone saying, I need help with Facebook ads, they're like, Gav is the guy to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot more referrals that way. Number two, I can focus all my time on learning the Facebook advertising platform, which means better results for the clients. Which, n- number three as well, is with social media management, it's very hard to, to measure a return on investment. Mm-hmm. With Facebook ads, we can see black and white. If we're spending five pound and we're making 10 pounds, happy days. Um, so there's a few reasons to go into that. And I found even by narrowing in on Facebook, um, I get much more people coming to me for general social media help than I did when I was a general social media person <laughs> anyway. So, um, and I, I still take on that work because I love working on social media strategy and general consulting. Um, so I, I love doing it, but it's, it's been interesting to see why see how more people come to me for that even though I don't market myself as a general social media guru. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. So for people listening who are looking perhaps for some advice with respect to um, their, their Facebook advertising, what would be your main, your main
1: tips? I mean, I, I'm going to give one. and My main tip is um, get what's called a Facebook Pixel installed on your site. Um, the Facebook Pixel is basically a piece of code that goes into your site and it means if anyone lands on your website, you can then retarget them with ads uh, and, and the main reason A few reasons you want to get that is one, it helps Facebook optimize their ads. So if they're going out looking for people to deliver your ad to, Mm -hmm. the pixel helps because it helps track who's coming to your site and who's more likely to convert. Um, The retargeting side of things, if somebody reads a blog of yours and you want them to then go on and buy something or download something, you can retarget them with an ad. So it's really powerful. Similarly, if you go onto like Amazon and you look at a pair of shoes or a dress, you go onto Facebook and then you get an ad for that same pair of shoes. It's the exact same concept <laughs> with your business, so you can effectively s- spy on your, on your, um, <laughs> on your uh, clients or customers. Yeah. Um, so the Facebook Pixel, massively powerful thing, takes two minutes to install, uh, and you can start building that kind of invisible list of people um, from day one. So that'd be my number, my number one tip. Perfect. Good stuff. Do you have the Pixel installed on your site? I don't.
0: Need to need to look at this and happen. <laughs> I'm behind the times. <laughs> so Blue Cliff, Cliff Media, then, what's your long-term vision for the business, and where do you see yourself going with it?
1: Yeah, so that's just been something I've kind of be, not been struggling with, but over the last year and a half, what I've wanted to achieve with the business has kind of changed, and it's it's almost been a case of I've ignored what I want to achieve with the business and I've just put all my efforts into getting the business going. So before I started the business, all I wanted was like money coming in and clients. And then when you get that, it's like, let's give these guys the best service we can and let's continue to grow. And I've almost kind of forgotten the long-term vision. So it's that whole thing of working too much in the business rather than on the business. Mm -hmm. But now now we're much more clear of that because I've kind of, there's been a few times where I've been like, no more new clients, let's just focus solely on what we're going to do Um, and so the long-term plan is basically to grow it as an agency but a virtual agency Um, so not having in-house staff but having a team potentially around the world um, where when clients come to us we can give them the best service because we'll have access to some amazing freelancers which we do already um, and they'll get that job done at a fraction of the cost because they're not paying for a big fancy office like you do with kind of traditional agencies so yeah, yeah. trying to to shake up the the agency space now uh, the traditional agency space and um, yeah kind of grow this virtual virtual model
0: Wow okay so d- would that mean that your role would be predominantly oversight um, and uh, you know how would you see yourself kind of managing different time zones and things like that
1: yeah so it's, it's an interesting one that I've had to had be wary of already um, mm-hmm. a lot of our clients are based in America um, and so managing time zones can be quite tricky in terms of if we're finishing our day traditionally at five o'clock mm-hmm. that's when they're coming online mm-hmm. um, so yeah, in fact my job would become project management, quality control um, but over time my job my my role is going to change, so it's kind of been my job has effectively been running client campaigns then it's probably gonna be more recruiting to try and get some freelancers to run the campaigns. And it's gonna be quality control and project management. And then perhaps I'll get a project manager and, and quality control person on board. So my job then takes another step further out. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, a continual process, I guess, of trying to remove myself from the day-to-day running of the business and, and managing the client campaigns.
0: Okay. And how big do you see it getting in terms of headcount and you know,
1: potential revenue? Great question. <laughs> Great question. So this is something me, me and you have spoke about recently um, and I've always struggled with it again because I've always just been on the mindset of let's just grow as big as we can and as best to become the best at what we do mm-hmm. um, because I know for a fact that and this is probably going to shake up uh, the agency space already is a lot of the agencies out there right now um, aren't good at social media. Uh, and especially Facebook advertising and paid social. So you might get a traditional web development agency that'll then go, okay, let's add on social media as a service and then, okay, let's add on paid social media as a service. Um, But if they're being such generalists, Mm -hmm. there's no way that they can be experts in Facebook ads because it's almost a full-time job to know Facebook ads because it's changing all the time. Um, And so I kind of want to shake up shake up that agency space. In terms of revenue and, and how big I want to go headcount, I find it really hard to put a specific figure on it. Um, I've, I've set the goal of doubling revenue every year um, and I just kind of want to continue doing that until I don't enjoy running business basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're scaling an agency, you're, you're basically scaling with people so the number of freelancers or people that we're working with will continue to grow. As the, as the revenue goes, grows.
0: Cool. Are there any other agencies that you look at um, as a way of kind of admiring or looking to, not necessarily replicate, but, but maybe take some tips from them?
1: There are a few, there are a few. So I, I even look at, I kind of get inspired by looking at companies like WP Curve. So again, going back to Dan Norris of the Seven Day Startup, his company, where they're not an agency. But they're kind of running a similar model to us in terms of if you go, they offer unlimited WordPress fixes. If you go to them, you'll then be basically linked to a developer who will mm-hmm. then sort your WordPress site. That's kind of what we were. I kind of want to do. It's almost a product productized service type agency, and I'm constantly skewing from being your traditional agency where you're going out and pitching to his model where it's click on a button on the website to buy now type thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Kind of stuck on the fence between what way I want to go, kind of more towards a productized service model because the idea of going out and pitching doesn't really excite me. Um, but then you also look at traditional agencies or I say traditional I mean kind of in-house companies like Social Chain in Manchester who um, they're about two years old about to generate six million revenue clients are like Apple. Oh. You look at that they've got a really cool office and things they've had quite a lot of investment. Um, and that's inspiring as well so i think I'm, I'm not so much inspired by the companies themselves but it's the just taking little bits of what they're doing and, and using that to make my own thing my own baby
0: yeah i like it mm. very
1: individual yeah
0: cool so in terms of you know general social media and perhaps your own um, personal brand social media and um, what platforms are you most active on and, and why
1: most active on um, so Facebook has been a big one for me recently. Obviously, with being a Facebook advertising consultant and agency, um, I really like Facebook. Really like Facebook now. How it's kind of evolving around video mm-hmm. um, and the engagement that you can get there is great. Twitter has always been my baby. Been there for years. Um, it's a, it's a it's despite the struggles that they're having and despite what people say about their dying them dying. It's still a great platform to s- chat to people. Mm-hmm. Um, Snapchat, kind of losing interest. Instagram, it's okay, I'm on the fence with that. Um, <laughs> right. LinkedIn's obviously a great one, being in the business-to-business market. So I love them all, um, but Facebook's probably my favorite and probably the one that I use the most.
0: Okay, and so what's your um, your strategy on Facebook? Yeah,
1: so my strategy now is is basically if it evolves around video. So, doing a weekly vlog, I'm going to be doing a weekly Facebook Live, um, and when, when you talk about strategy on Facebook, it's effectively a strategy for all the social media platforms, because the principles are exactly the same, which is, who's your audience and mm-hmm. what do they want to see? <laughs> um, and that's going to be something that's either entertaining or informing and give them that. And on Facebook, as we know, video is the main kind of form of media that you want right now. So if you can provide an entertaining or an informative, or both, video on Facebook, it's gonna be a winner. Um, Obviously entertaining and informative is subjective to your audience. So you need to know your audience inside out and give them what they want.
0: Okay, so, I mean, video is certainly something that I know that you're definitely getting into. You did your um, 100 vlogs in 100 days and you've now started up your weekly vlog yep. as well. What did you learn from that experience and what have you learned since starting your own, your own vlog?
1: Yeah, so the 100, the 100 vlogs in 100 days was, uh, basically I'd set up my Facebook page to advertise from and I was like, oh, can I need content to produce? Um, and I just randomly thought let 's just do a hundred vlogs in a hundred days um, I kind of wanted the the main reason I did it was like to create content, but I also wanted to experiment and see what happened with kind of my Facebook reach, as in would Facebook be like lots of video great we 're going to show it to more people mm-hmm. or would they be like nah, it's too much video And what I found was it kind of slowly decreased over time, and then I had a, one video that did really well when I was ranting about entrepreneurs talking about and bragging that they work 36 hours a day. <laughs> um, so that, that spiked the reach and then it kind of slowly increased from there. Um, but what I learned personally was it was, a, it was a really, really good way to force myself into creating. Um, so you, whether I didn't feel like it, didn't feel well, was busy, didn't have time, I was forced to pick my phone up, video myself, <laughs> create something, create a piece of content and get out of there. Um, So that like the discipline and also the having to come up with something every single day was, um, yeah, it was was really interesting. And it it really got me into video um, in terms of watching how people like Casey Neistat will create a piece of video and instead of just watching it for entertainment, watching it to see how he does it. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of inspired me to create my weekly vlog which is going to like a longer form, more edited, um, more kind of storytelling type vlog. Um, so I've done the first one, filmed the second one, it's not been posted yet and what I've learned from that is um, it's really tough. It's really hard to take what you might deem a boring day. So my second vlog was basically me in the office all day. I'd Client calls, etc., but it's how do you turn that boring scenario into something that's entertaining or informing, informative? Mm-hmm. So you've got to take that day and turn it into a story or a narrative somehow uh, that's going to be interesting for the people. So that's what I've learned so far is that's tough, um, but I've also found that it's a, um, a learning curve, and that learning period will come over time. Um, and going back to the 100 vlogs as well, what I found was a lot, of people, a lot of people have said to me, this is a video that I want to do myself, a lot of people have said to me, you're a natural on camera or you're a natural presenter. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Go back to my first vlog and see how awkward I was sat in Manchester Piccadilly Gardens trying to do a vlog when there's people walking past. Yeah. Um, I did a vlog every single day for 100 days, which made me more comfortable in front of camera. So I think I've been on YouTube maybe eight months and I've posted something like 160 videos. So it's like, I think average is something like, I don't know, one every two days. Um, Now these videos aren't well published or whatever, but what it did was it made me, as I say, forced me to create something and forced me to get comfortable in front of the camera. Uh So for those people that say, you're a natural, no I'm not. It's just, if you look back, you can see that over time they get better.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah who are some of your favorite
1: vloggers favorite vloggers um casey is a big one for me casey nice that um gary vaynerchuk's daily v enjoy that um but again there's a guy called ben brown as well mm-hmm. who's a travel travel vlogger Um all these guys have different different styles in the way that they do it and it's just I've started watching them less for the entertainment and more for learning how they structure their video. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably my three favorites, but I'll, if I see a vlog on YouTube that is recommended or whatever, I'll watch it just to, to watch how they kind of do it themselves. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's those three are the main, but there's everybody really. Okay. I like, I like watching them now to kind of see how I can pick something that they're doing well and use it for mine. Definitely,
0: yeah. I mean, public speaking is something that I know you really enjoy. Do you think that the vlogging has helped your public speaking?
1: Yes, I think it has. Um, I think what it's done is it's, allowed, it's, it's helped me get my point across in a more concise fashion. Mm-hmm. So rather than rambling, then you, you kind of get a point across quicker. I think, well, I think one of the main reasons for that is because I've got a 16 gigabyte iPhone, and <laughs> I was constantly having to delete things in order to do my 100 vlogs, and I only had about a minute before my memory ran out, right. so I, if I had a point to get across, then I had to get across in a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just when, when you're talking into a camera, you're, you're effectively presenting just to a camera rather than a room full of people, so I think, yeah, I think that's helped.
0: Excellent. Okay. And in terms of public speaking, you recently um, had the privilege of working with uh, Marcus Sheridan. Yeah. So how, how was that experience and, and what did you learn from Marcus?
1: So Marcus is a great guy. Um, I Before Chris Marr, who basically took him over here, took him here for the conference last year for the first time, I, I didn't know who he was. Um, and being in that room at the conference, I was kind of blown away by how this guy was able to engage with everybody, mm-hmm. how he was able to kind of pump everybody up. Um, and so when Marcus was coming over uh, last week to basically show us how to do it, I kind of jumped at the the opportunity. And it's just, what I learned from him was a lot about how to communicate with somebody um, and how to, so a so com- couple of main pointers for me would be, when you're speaking to someone, how can you guide, if they ask you a question, how can you guide them to find the answer themselves mm-hmm. by asking them the right questions rather than just telling them the answer straight up. Um, and, another, and another main point for me is going back to the public speaking thing is, how do you structure a talk properly? And one, of, and one of the things that he spoke about was, if you're giving a talk, you want the people in the audience to go away with one thing, one thing in their head that they're going to do, or one thing that they're going to think about, reconsider—just one, one statement almost mm-hmm. of intent. Um, and I've been guilty in the past of just getting too excited when I'm talking and just trying to deliver as much value as possible. And I think that just gives people information overload, so they do nothing. So, just giving people one talk, one one statement, and then creating a a talk or a speech or a presentation around that one statement of intent. Um, so I think that for me as a kind of up and coming speaker, if you will, yeah. will be like invaluable for me going forward.
0: Yeah. And so where do you want to take your, your speaking career?
1: I want to take it as far as, as I can, again. Um, however, saying that I only want, I, I want to kind of grow my speaking career by how good I am at it. I don't I mm. kind of like a career politician, I don't want to go in with the idea of I want to be a professional speaker and that's what I'm going for. I kinda of want to become as big as I can, but through like other people believing that I'm good enough type. Does that make sense? It does so make sense. Yeah, yeah. other people recognizing recognizing I'm a good speaker and my career growing that way rather than me going in as a I want to be a, a professional speaker type thing. Yeah. So kind of on my own abilities rather than seeking it out as a as an actual career path.
0: Okay, yeah. I think statistically I'm, I'm correct in saying that around 75% of people have some element of fear around public speaking. So, I mean, what is it about public speaking that you enjoy and why do you do it? And, you know, I suppose subsequent to that as well, how do
1: you deal with the nerves or the fears that come from it? So going back to the academy... Um, I remember the first time they asked me to go up in front of the class and speak, and I was petrified. I hated it um, and I just like wanted it to end straight away and over the course of that year, I kind of got better at it, better at it, and then you start to get a little bit of a buzz when you go and start and speak in front of people um, and I still remember the one one talk at the end of the academy where I was like, "I really enjoyed that. that was great. I'm kind of like pumped up by this um. And then I've, yeah, over time I've just I I really enjoy having the ability to influence people in a positive way. And by speaking, you get that opportunity to have a room full of people. All the attention is on you. I don't mean that in a um, kind of egotistical way, but Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to influence people. And I'm hugely grateful of the opportunity to have that, whether it's five people or five hundred people. Um, and so, I think that's the main thing I enjoy, is, is being able to deliver a message that I know is going to posi- positively impact the people in the room. So if I'm, if I'm teaching people how to do something with Facebook ads, if they go and take that away and actually action what they learn, mm-hmm. I know it's gonna help their business, and I really get a buzz from that. Um, and in terms of the nerves, I do get nervous now, but it's more, I wouldn't say I get nervous to the point I feel sick or I'm I'm overly concerned. It's more just kind of like you're if I'm at going for a football match, like pre-match nerves, kind of like you're ready to go. Yeah. Um, so I just really enjoy it now. Um, saying that, I've not done a speaking gig where it's thousands of people, so that might be different when that <laughs> when that happens, yeah. um, if it happens. But um, in terms of the nerves, it's just a case of. Trying to pump yourself up again just like a football football game and then you're ready to go
0: excellent cool another thing that you have done you know the 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 published um work that you've done in the huffington post and Mm -hmm. and virgin which is absolutely fantastic and
1: you know well done for achieving that how did you go about doing that yeah i get (laughs) asked this question a lot and um, like there's the most simplest answer is just ask (laughs) huffington post i emailed ariana the, the owner and yeah. said, um, I like writing about entrepreneurship. Here's a couple of my blogs, can I write for you? Four weeks later, got an email saying, sure, I'll pass you on to the editor who will sort your account out. So that was that. Virgin, Virgin was a little bit different in terms of, I had I'd, I'd emailed the general Virgin email a few times, nothing back. So I went onto LinkedIn and found some Virgin contributors emailed them to say, who is it that you speak to in Virgin to, to do this? Got a name, emailed them, got a phone call didn't pitch, just had a conversation to say, yeah, I've been published in Huffington Post The Scotsman, which is a newspaper here in Edinburgh, Scotland um, and kind of used those previous blogs that I've done as leverage to, to speak to these guys. And they, they were fine with it they said, yeah, what, what do you want to write about? I gave them an idea we wrote it and published it um, so all these opportunities I've had it's literally just been a case of sending a cheeky email and and hoping for the best
0: yeah yeah. something that um, you've spoken about a few times is your age yeah and uh, how you've kind of used that I suppose to your advantage I mean does anyone do you, do you ever face any sort of prejudices about being a young guy
1: um, I haven't face to face nobody's no. ever said it to me uh, I'm sure I have uh, either people doing it subconsciously or Um, not replying to emails or whatever because they've seen my age but nobody's ever come up to me and and, or said to me I'm not gonna work with you because you're you're too young Um, and if they did if they thought like that anyway I wouldn't want to work with them so yeah nothing face to face but I'm sure (laughs) there has been in the background
0: Maybe. So um, you spoke a bit earlier about um, Edinburgh and its uh, sort of traditionalist views, which I think you're absolutely spot on. But in terms of the entrepreneurial um, community, what do you think about um, being able to, you know, sort of grow a business within Edinburgh? And what do you think about it in terms of a, an entrepreneurial ecosystem?
1: Yeah, I think Edinburgh's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think. I wouldn't choose to be anywhere else in the UK to start a business. Like, I've fallen in love with Edinburgh in terms of a city, like, personally living here, but also as a place to run a business. So you've got an amazing tech scene mm-hmm. where Skyscanner have just been sold or bought out by uh, for 1.7 billion or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got all these massive businesses here in Edinburgh, uh, and since it's such a small city as well, everybody's connected. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty easy to... If you want a meeting with somebody, it's pretty easy to get a meeting with them because you're guaranteed that somebody knows them um, or use the age thing as a, as a factor to get that meeting again. <laughs> um, so I think it's just, I, I don't think there's a better city, um, in my opinion, to start a business in terms of how much it costs to get going, the facilities that we have here, the, the ecosystem, uh, there's just like the funding, there's just been in code base, there's just been a new fund um that's been kind of issued, released to the the world mm-hmm. uh i i just i just i don't think I could have a better place to base the business than edinburgh um yeah, just the support network the funding the everything's right for it to be a hotbed of kind of entrepreneurship and yeah. I think we're definitely seeing that coming through yeah um being in Codebase, which is the tech incubator here, mm-hmm. I'm kind of right in the heart of it and I get to see all the <laughs> nitty gritty stuff of all these people trying really cool things. And the next Skyscanner or the next Rockstar North will probably come out of that ecosystem. Yeah. And it's almost a privilege to kind of be part of it now, um, where it's only kind of really just emerging. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in like 10, 20 years time, we'll see some really cool stuff. We're seeing really cool stuff now, that's because I'm in the middle of it, but mm-hmm. 10, 20 years' time, we'll see some really big things coming out of this whole ecosystem we have in Edinburgh.
0: Yeah, definitely. Super exciting. It is. Um, and I think if anyone's not happy where they are living at the moment, there's probably no better place to be than Edinburgh.
1: I, don't, I genuinely don't think there is. Uh-huh. I genuinely don't think there is. I might be biased, <laughs> um, and I can't say I've lived everywhere or travelled the world, so I don't have that experience. But in terms of, for me, I couldn't be happier with like running and setting up a, a business here.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Tell me about your We Do Scotland award. and What that was like, and I mean, have you had a chance to um, reflect on the the year that you've had in business and how it's gone?
1: Yeah. So that that was that was a a real surprise and honour to win it. To be honest, um, I'd been nominated. I'd gone through two application forms, a video and an interview, really? and then there was two of us in the final on the night. Um, and yeah, I really wasn't expecting to win it. I, I think it's maybe again me being prejudiced against myself. Being a young <laughs> guy, it's like, why, why should you win it? I've never, I've never been kind of one of the, I've never been somebody to celebrate any of my successes or really acknowledge them. It's just kind of been if something good has happened, it's like, okay, great, let's move on. Let's next thing. Yeah. Um. So winning the award forced me to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, you've actually done pretty well. Um, and even if I don't think I've done well myself, other people are recognizing that we've done pretty well. And so that that did force me to take a step back and kind of look at the business objectively and what we've done over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it was a really huge honor. And um, the kind of feedback and the messages of from people since winning the award has been really good. Um, it's... And and another thing I've noticed as well is, people. I think I think people. Well, people have started to, um, when they're talking to me, be like, "Yeah, you're a reward winner now," type thing, and
0: it's
1: it's now now it's down to me to use that to my advantage as. a young guy going through business, now I can start saying I'm an award winner, yeah. um, which comes back to the whole marketing thing. It's it's how you market your personal brand. Um, and even though I've it's only been a couple of weeks and I've not really been pushing that message out too much in terms of being an award-winning entrepreneur type thing, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, well done, and have inquired with working with me, kind of not as a result of winning the award maybe, perhaps, but it's definitely been a, an influencing factor. I've noticed, kind of in the emails when people get in touch they've they have mentioned the award which suggests to me that it's been a kind of determining factor for them getting in touch which yeah. is interesting
0: yeah it is yeah it probably legitimizes um, yeah. the work that you're that you're doing yeah
1: i think it's a good point um, yeah
0: for sure yeah, good stuff. Well, I think we've got a really good sense of, you know, who uh, Gavin Bell is and, you know, clearly sort of passionate, young entrepreneurial guy. But it'd be good to maybe dig a little bit deeper at this stage. You yep. know, the show is about purpose and you, know, you knew that coming here. Yep. So uh, we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper and see how we get on. So, what what do you think is your purpose?
1: My purpose? So we spoke about this earlier, Elliot, and again, it's something I'm really trying to figure out just now. Okay. Um, so... A lot of people have been asking me this recently in terms of, I guess, winning the award and they're like why do you do what you do when you're 22 and most of your friends are kind of at university or kind of living with parents and just doing like the whole um, chilling out type thing. And so I've kind of struggled to answer that question but in terms of purpose for me, like the only thing I really want right now is to have fun, to enjoy what I'm doing, to, to be happy to have the freedom to do what I want Mm -hmm. Um, and I think running your own business and being entrepreneurial minded allows you to do that. I'm also a huge fan of like pushing myself to the extreme whether that's in the gym, whether that's at football or whatever and, and kind of just going all out and challenging myself properly and I think when you're an entrepreneur and running your own business you're forced to do that because if, if, if you, everything that you do as the business owner or entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, directly impacts business growth or how far you progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's maybe why I've fallen into the entrepreneurial wor- world is because I want that freedom, I want to do what I want, I don't want to be told what to do, um, and it allows me to have that constant buzz of, I need to be continuously progressing, and um, kind of reaching and and smashing those goals I set along the way.
0: Okay, yeah, really good. Um, One of the things that I I heard you mention in your your hundred vlogs, which I found absolutely unbelievable, was you basically accepted a challenge or set a challenge a while ago about not eating
1: chocolate. (laughs) Um, how many? How long was it that you went? Um, still going. Still going for, for the next three weeks. Uh, okay. Seven years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: seven years. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So seven years without crisps and seven years without chocolate. Is that um, right? Yeah. So that was that was a New Year's resolution that me and my brother set seven years ago, um, which has kind of gone too far, and kinda <laughs> it kind of just comes back to the whole thing. It was like, oh, I've, I've reached that year end now. Um, of, what do I want to do? And said, like, oh, we'll just carry on. And I just kept carrying on um, to the point where it's been really embarrassing and really awkward at times. So there's two occasions that I can remind me of. Um, I can remember of my 18th birthday. I was in a restaurant um, and the whole restaurant started singing happy birthday. Waitress came out with a cake covered in chocolate. Everyone was singing happy birthday looking at me and I was like, oh, I can't eat this. Um, So I just kind of had to sit there awkwardly (laughs) until it kind of died down. Um, Another occasion was I had a a client come to me, or a potential client come to me, and um, they sold chocolate. And I was like, okay, this could be awkward, but let's do it anyway. Um, They came to me. We were chatting about what we could do together, etc. Came to the end of the meeting, they're like, right, so let's taste the chocolate then. And I was like... I can't, I'm sorry. Um, New Year's resolution. So that was really awkward, and it's fair to say I didn't win, didn't win that business. But yeah. yeah, it's just, again, it's just one of these things of, I just like setting myself weird and funny challenges, and then what I like to do at the end of them is then what did I learn? And write a blog or a video and share that with the world.
0: Okay, that's an, an unusual amount of determination to put yourself through that, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was hard for like two or three weeks um and it for it it was hard for maybe two or three weeks and then after that it was kind of hard to remember that this was a challenge and then after that it's just a case of it's it's just kind of subconscious you just don't eat it anymore somebody offers you it you don't buy it if you're going into a shop you just don't buy it so after a month or so it's it's easy
0: okay it, I mean, certainly from my own perspective, I think that, you know, I think you're, um, and I mean this in the most positive way, you're unusually driven, um, and doing something like that very much demonstrates that. But where do you think your drive comes from?
1: Good question. Um, where does my drive come from? It's hard for me to say. I, I honestly don't know. Um, my parents, both great. But they're not entrepreneurial driven. I don't think anybody in either my mum or dad's side have ever been an entrepreneur. Uh, my mum comes from a farming background. My dad was a policeman, um, and so I couldn't say I get entrepreneurial genes as such from them. Uh-huh. Um, I think they they installed a, a good work ethic into me. Obviously, mm-hmm. my mum growing up as a farmer is is although they're not entrepreneurial, they're and hard workers, and I think I maybe get drive from there. Um, so I think that's probably where I get it from, but at the same time when you love what you do, and when, when you love what you do you, you kind of, although you might say if I'm driven to me it's just kind of a natural thing, where I'm, it's, it's almost feels like a hobby <laughs> um, and so I maybe don't feel very driven. Um, I also hate losing like, and that, that probably comes from the fact I've had such a sporty upbringing mm-hmm. in terms of living in Shetland, lots of oil money being pumped into sports centres and things. And so I've played like, sports my whole life. Um, and I just hate losing so much. And I think that maybe comes from, uh, from the sporty backgrounds.
0: Yeah, maybe. It's interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard for me. I, 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 I don't know exactly where it comes from. Um, which maybe you have some questions that will help me find out or, or question <laughs> me on that, but it's a it's a, an interesting one for sure.
0: Okay, okay. Well, here's a question for you then. How would you describe your, your personal values?
1: So my personal values, I mean, I'm all about positivity. So, and I think positivity... Positivity comes in lots of different forms. Whether that's just generally being happy, whether that's being kind to people, um, kind of being of that growth mindset. So I think for me, it's it's a my personal value, values are can are continue to grow as a person. Um, continue to to set yourself goals and to to strive to hit them, and to kind of generally just like help as many people as I can. Whether that's like just saying hi to them on the street or whatever it may be. Just mm-hmm. little things that might make somebody smile. Um, and that's kind of the way I try and live my life is to professionally in the terms of like providing content that's valuable to people, but also personally in terms of um, just being an, a good person. So a, a mentor once said to me, this sticks in my mind really clearly actually. Um, this is a mentor I had in Manchester. He said to me, the key to the world is to find out what somebody wants and then just give it to them. And as cheesy or as simple as that might sound, if you think about it, it's true. So if you're if you're busy working uh, and your mum phones you and wants like a five-minute chat, it's not really that hard to take five minutes out to give your mum five minutes. Um, if if you know that somebody wants um, some help it, 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 so let's go to a marketing point of view again. Mm-hmm. Marketing is just finding out what your audience wants and giving it to them, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's really stuck in my head. In terms of, I mean, you can't do it with everyone because if you did that, then you'd have no time to do your own things. But giving people what they want and and generally of being that kind of positive, happy, fun, fun guy, I think is is um, how I try and live. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: definitely. It's a great ethos, but I suppose. That, um, it has its uh, challenges, or it can be a kind of double-edged sword as well. I know that something that you've spoken about is kind of charging customers, and the kind of the the difficulty that you've had with that. Mm. So it's like you know being the good guy, but also you have yeah. to um, you have to extract the value that you're offering from people as well. So yeah. D- does the does the being a good guy ever get in the way of you?
1: Yeah, I think I think it does, and I think I've learned again over time that. Sometimes you you might have the best intentions at heart, but people will take it the wrong way. So yeah. in in business and in life in general, like time is the, for me, time is like the most important thing ever um, in terms of, so I I will gladly help people for free to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm like, you've kind of got to start paying for this. And I, I've found it hard for me to, not so much now because i' I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more stricter from the start that if you if you're wanting advice you're, you're, you're going to pay because f- like I need to pay the bills basically. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, it definitely did flounder me because I would I would give people everything I knew for free, mm. and then they would need to pay for my services type thing. so mm-hmm. I think you've, you've got to balance it, and you've got to it, it, it comes down to understanding how much you value your time. Um, and when you really valuable, when you really value your time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not easy to charge for it. I, I never, I never charge on time. Just to make that clear, but at the end of the day, if, if you want like to work with me, you need to pay because ultimately, if I don't get paid, I can't reach all the people I want to reach. And so, in a roundabout way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: by you paying me, I get to help more people, which is kind of. Goes with what what we just what we just spoke about. Absolutely. Does that does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really.
0: No, I get that. I get that. Okay. What do you want your legacy to be?
1: What I want my legacy to be. So I, I want to be I want to be known or not known, but seen as somebody to the people that knew me, as like we just said, like a positive, fun, happy guy, that like genuinely did make a difference to not just people's businesses but people's lives. Um, So we spoke about at the start, I kind of was always the kind of mischievous rule breaker type guy. So I was was probably kind of the weird one at school in terms of, I I fitted in at school, don't get me wrong, but I always had like this kind of thing that I wanted to be the biggest and the best and and never wanted to be told what to do and kind of wanted to do my own thing. And I kind of want to inspire people to do that as well i don't I want kind of I want to inspire people to kind of stick a middle finger up to the norm <laughs> and not have to do what like their parents or their school are telling them to do and to do what they want to do mm-hmm. like just have c- complete freedom in their life to do what they want to do which is really hard for a lot of people to understand because of kind of societal norms and kind of Parents having their own agendas and what they what they want their kids to be like type thing. Yeah. Um, so I think my legacy, I'd love to, I would love to have the platform, which is, comes back to our public speaking thing, where I can inspire as many people with that message, whether that's inspire them to to do that and break the rules, etc., or inspire them about their marketing and how they can get inspired by about their business and how they can grow it, which then ultimately. Improves their life type thing, but yeah, the fun, happy, um, kind of positive guy that had an influence, a positive influence on on a lot of people in the kind of, in in the entre- entrepreneurial space.
0: Mm. Fantastic answer, yeah. very inspirational. I like it. Thank you. I like it a lot. <laughs> um, I've now got a few questions for you around about um, success, and uh, I look forward to hearing some of your responses uh, for these. So. How do you define success?
1: Yeah, so it's obviously a subjective term and everyone has their own definition. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is this is a tricky one because I, like I just said, tend not to celebrate my successes as such. And although I don't celebrate them, I, I kind of have an understanding that I feel like I'm successful right now. Um, just in the way that i'm I'm doing what I want to do i yeah. I love what I do right now and to just like some people might deem success as monetary or or being able to spend time with their kids or family whatever it may be but right now I love what I do love my life i like, love the place I live in um and so I would deem myself currently as successful, but at the same time I'm not necessarily satisfied with where I'm at, <laughs> which is kind of a um well, it kind of it doesn't make make sense if i say i'm successful but at the same time not satisfied yeah kind of paradox I, yeah yeah because i'm cont- i continuously want to grow and i can kind of see myself down the line running the same business but maybe more successful mm-hmm. um and i'm kind of constantly trying to better myself but at the same time i'm i'm, I'm content but i'm not content with, with where i'm at so i'm feel super happy love my life feel successful right now But there's also continuous drive to try and, um, I I guess it's just uh, not necessarily improve myself but continuously improve, yeah, myself and what I'm doing in terms Mm -hmm. of the business. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I mean, it's a tricky one to pinpoint what success is because I think it's such a grey area for me where I'm currently happy but there's also this continuously wanting to improve.
0: Yeah, yeah. Got you. Okay. So, I mean, earlier on we spoke obviously about fitness. It was the business that you um, first started in. And, you know, you clearly keep in, in decent shape. So it'd be interesting to hear about, um, you know, like what your fitness regime looks like mm-hmm. in
1: your diet and such. Yeah. So, um, fitness regime, I train in the gym, weights training two or three times a week. Um, I cycle to and from the office, which is about two miles every day. Uh, two miles there, two miles back. Um, I play football, so I train once a week, play once a week. Um, I, I, I like again going back to my upbringing in Shetland. Just like absolutely love sport, um, and so we'll play any sport, any time if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just absolutely love it. And I think again, it's one of those things where you can continuously improve what you're doing, whether it's weight training in the gym, adding weight, or whether it's um, playing football, kind of. Improving, improving your game. Um, if it's sprinting, I used to do a lot of athletics. It's improving your time, so you're constantly trying to improve what you're doing. Um, and then, kind of nutritional wise, I am a huge fan of meal prepping. So, okay. kind of at the weekend, I'll buy a lot of, I'll buy all my food for the week basically, and then I'll cook it on a Sunday, put it into um, Tupperware and stick it in the fridge or the freezer, and then that's all my meals for the week. Really? So, yeah, so that means Jeez. I know exactly what I'm eating, um, and I don't spend money going to the shop and buying a crappy sandwich. Um, I know for a fact kind of, what I'm eating is good for me. I'm eating it regularly. I know it's enough to keep me full for the day, um, save money not going to the shop and you also save a lot of time because you're not cooking through the week so it's just it's it's convenient but it's also like the most healthy way to eat as well yeah um but yeah kind of my my nutrition and my fitness is a massive part to me massive part of my life um which also improves running the business and and generally just being a kind of healthy and an active kind of person so yeah yeah it's a big part big part of my life
0: definitely yeah So what, what would an average meal look like for you?
1: Average meal for me, um, chocolate. Yeah, (laughs) no chocolate. So my, my staple is like a good chili con carne, um, and rice with a ton of veg throughout. So always have a, always start with a protein source, which is going to be chicken, mints, whatever it may be. Good carbohydrate source, typically rice or potatoes, um, sweet potato, and then a side of veg. Um, and that's kind of how I've structured my diet for for the last, well, since I moved away and my mum wasn't cooking my meals for me. Yeah. <laughs> Good
0: stuff. Who or what inspires you?
1: I, I try and take inspiration from a lot of people. Um, so I wouldn't say there's one person that stands out that I'm like, that's me, because I think you can you can seek inspiration from somebody on the street to the biggest name celebrity in the world. Um, one person that, that does inspire me professionally is, is Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Um, just in, the, in, the, in his mentality of work, um, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in the whole 18 hours working, hustling thing. I believe in when you're up and you're in work mode, just work your ass off. And I, I just I just love what he's been able to build off the internet. Um so his book Crush It is one of my favorite books if not the favorite um because it just talks about how you like it is easy to build a personal brand mm-hmm. it just takes time and a lot of work <laughs> um, so I love that mentality in terms of there's no th- no such thing as luck uh there's no such thing as uh kind of like a golden bullet it literally is just hard work and patience over time He mm-hmm. um, you might be wrong but I'm buying into that philosophy and I will for the rest of my life um, so he's somebody who definitely inspires me but as I say I ins- get inspiration from from a lot of people
0: yeah
1: and things places um, I get I get inspiration from Edinburgh like walking cycling to work looking at the office window and seeing the castle uh, the tech scene in Edinburgh mm-hmm. me- meeting people and, and when you're in again when you're in this Entrepreneurial world, you meet so many people that are trying to change the world and trying to make a difference, like yourself. And being able to hang out with these types of people or be friends with these types of people improves yourself. But it's also hugely inspiring just to have friends that are actually trying to change the world or (laughs) or improve improve the world that they're kind of in. Um, So that's I think that's why I get inspiration from everybody because being friends or, or just being part of this whole ecosystem where there's so many people doing so many cool things, um, yeah, it's just I just love it. It's yeah, great.
0: that's awesome. Really good answer. I think you can learn a lot from really anyone. Yeah. Even if it's you know how not to be. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. What's um, the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Great question. I think this is going to go back to the quote that my mentor told me that I spoke about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, find out what people want and give it to them i don't th- I don't think it, it's it and I love that because it's so basic yet it applies to everything and, and it could be so powerful oh. um, so i think I think that would be the main the best best advice I've ever taken yeah and it's it's hard to it's hard to maybe live by that or have it in your head all the time um, like with any piece of advice but Generally, having that as a principle that you can kind of live by um, and use in my marketing, it, it's kind of basic human psychology at the end of the day. Which, if we take everything we ever speak about, it all be, it all comes down to psychology, um, yeah. and I think that's kind of the most basic form of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's almost like a how to win friends and influence people type principle. Um, and yeah, so that, that, that would be my, my best advice I've ever taken.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's not a huge amount of uh, time that's lapsed for you to answer this question, but I'll ask you anyway and see what you think. If you had an opportunity to speak to the 20-year-old you, mm-hmm. what would you say? <laughs> Two years
1: ago. <laughs> um, so, 20 years old, I would say... Um, when, I, when I was 20, I was living in Manchester. Um I would have been living in Manchester for some of the year and then I would have moved up to Edinburgh. Uh and when I lived in Manchester after after the academy year, I basically worked for a year to try and save money to move. Um and that I like did not like that year at all. I didn't like living in Manchester. Um I just after after the academy had finished and I was working, I just didn't like the whole living in Manchester and I couldn't go to the gym or anything because I was working 9 to 5. Um, I, I know that's a crap excuse, but I, after after work, I would go to the gym and um, it would be absolutely rammed. So you'd be like waiting to get on the machinery and things, and it just kind of, I just kind of lost interest in it there, and just just didn't really like living there. I just oh I just always wanted to move back to Scotland, and I had that in the back of my head, kind of everything I did. Um, so, but my my so if I was to give advice, I would say, kind of calm down, be patient. You know you're going to move back to Scotland, so just make the most and enjoy your time there, and kind of stop being cynical about your situation or the city, and um, yeah, just enjoy it. So, although it's only two years ago, I'd probably say yeah, just kind of just just enjoy it a little bit more, and just even though it's a, maybe a, a negative situation, can make the most out of it, mm-hmm. which is something I can I can do a lot more easily now. But when you're when when you're in that, it was tough. Um, and it's kind of like that homesick feeling slash not really enjoy, didn't enjoy the work I was doing um, and then didn't really, didn't get to go to the gym or do the kind of sports and the fitness thing that I want, that I like to do outside of work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would just be kind of calm down and just maybe find something else to do or, or whatever, but just, yeah, kind of be more positive about the situation and be po- uh, patient. <laughs> Patience is a big one. Mm. definitely
0: if you could change anything in the world what would it be and why
1: well if I we could change anything in the world it would be to stop people complaining which is interesting considering my last answer where it, I was yeah. complaining <laughs> um, I just think there's, there's literally no point um, and we're all going to complain let's like I'm not saying I never complain but if we could stop complaining, I think the world would be a much more positive place. Um, and there's just no point. I think I think people complain because they want to get a bit of attention about themselves. Um, so I, but going back to living in Manchester, I constantly complained about living in Manchester, <laughs> probably because um, I wanted my girlfriend at the time to move up to Scotland quicker or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah, just eradicate complaining because I think it's the the lowest form of negativity possible, um, and it's just a, a when somebody complains constantly or mo- is moaning constantly, it's just a, a kind of energy suck from everybody that they're that they're around. So yeah, yeah. that's what I would do: eradicate complaining. That would be phenomenal. Yeah,
0: yeah, great message. Really like that, um, Gavin. This has been an absolute pleasure incredibly inspiring um, I think everything that you've done to date uh, is just, it's just amazing you know in such a, a short space of time you've achieved a huge amount okay. and I think that winning the award has just been a great way for you to now kind of take a, a break and look back and reminisce and kind of see how far you've come yeah. um, and it'll be amazing to see how far you're going to go over the next few years as well thank you thank you very much
1: for having me it's been a pleasure brilliant absolutely welcome Thank you, Gavin, so much.
0: Thank you. Cheers.